In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Last week, um, we started speaking about the Ikbeya, which is also called the Book of Hours in the Coptic Church, which is the Book of Prayer that we use um, both liturgically and privately um, in our homes to pray. Um, we spoke about what it is, we spoke about how we use it, the biblical foundation of praying at different times of the day, and we spoke about the structure of the Ikbeya, as well as the structure um, of each hour. Today, I want to focus on um, how it was written, um, kind of, and what is the, f you know, the, the understanding of it, and then also, um, what is the spiritual benefit, which I think is one of the most important aspects of this, is, you know, why we use it, what is the spiritual be benefit of it. So first is how, how was it written? Who was the author of it? The Agbeo was received from the Apostolic and Patristic Fathers. History tells us that during the time of Amba Bachomius, Amba Bachomius is a famous um, figure who formulated um, the, like the form of, of monasticism that is used even till today. Um, uh, the fathers of the church met together to establish a daily worshiping system for all believers to pass on to the following generation. So in the early church, there was uh, an active effort to come up with a system that is beneficial spiritually for the believers in the church. While they were trying to come to an agreement regarding the number of psalms, so, so it was clearly understood that the psalms and praying with the psalms was going to be uh, a major part of whatever system of prayer that they were to come up with. And they were trying to come up with some form of prayer with the psalms. Um, while they were trying to come to an agreement regarding the number of psalms they should pray every hour of the seven prayer hours, an angel appeared among them as they were about to start the 11th hour prayers and started to praise God with psalms. So even as they were trying to come up with the structure of the prayer, and they wanted to know how, you know, like decide how many psalms. Some people were saying uh, three psalms. Some people were saying like many psalms. How many psalms is the appropriate amount that we should include in each of these hours um, of prayer? And as they were doing this, there was an angel that appeared um, that started to uh, praise God with psalms. And so the, the, the they listened attentively, and behold, he stopped after the twelfth psalm and disappeared. They took this as a divine revelation that we should pray 12 psalms every hour of the seven hours. So when we ask, I think last week, somebody asked, why, why do we pray with, seven, uh, with, uh, sorry, with 12 psalms every hour? Well, the, the origin of why we pray that many psalms is related to uh, the fact that this miracle happened, that there was a, an angel that appeared, and that angel was praying 12 psalms and then disappeared again so they took it as like a sign from god that that the, the number of psalms to include in each of the hours the appropriate number was 12 psalms john cassian he was um a famous ascetic that lived in the fourth and the fifth century um he was a monk and a theologian and he is noted for his role in bringing the ideas and practices of early Christian monasticism to the medieval West. So he went and visited uh, monasteries in Egypt, and Syria, and other places that are in the East. And then he, he observed what it is that they were practicing. And then he took that knowledge back to the West and Europe in order to pass on the pattern of monasticism uh, from uh, Egypt and these places in the east to implement them, imitate them um, in the west. Around 420 AD, 
at the request of Bishop Castor in what is now southern France, Cassian wrote two ma major spiritual works. One of them was called The Institutes of the Cenobia. In this, he codified and transmitted the wisdom of the Desert Fathers of Egypt. The Institutes deal with the external organization of monastic communities in Egypt as compared to those in Gaul. So Gaul is southern France. His bishop there told him to go and to find uh, information about how in the East the, the people were practicing the monastic communities and then bring that information back. And he wrote this um, uh, book called The Institutes in order to describe what it is that he found. So this is what he says. This is related to what uh, the difference of the number of psalms appointed to be sung in all the provinces. He says, For we have found that many in different countries, according to the fancy of their mind, having indeed, as the apostle says, a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge, have made for themselves different rules and arrangements in this matter. So he's speaking about there are different, different people are praying in different ways. For some have appointed that each night 20 or 30 psalms should be said, and that these should be prolonged by the music of antiphonal singing. Antiphonal means uh, the way that we, we, we sing in the church, where you have um, one side, like this is the north side, and this is the south side. So there are some, some hymns that are chanted where the north side sings part of the hymn, and then the south side responds, and then the north side, and then the south side, and so on. They go back and forth. That is called antiphonetic or antif antiphonal. Um, that these should be prolonged by the music of antiphonal singing and by the addition of some modulations as well. Others have even tried to go beyond this number. Some use 18, speaking about the number of psalms. And in this way, we have found different rules appointed in different places. And the system and regulations that we have seen are almost as many in number as the monasteries and cells we have visited. So many different ways of prayer um, in, uh, as far as the number of psalms. There are some too to whom it has seemed good that in the day offices of prayer, the terse, sect, and nuns, so that's the third, sixth, and ninth hours, the number of psalms and prayers should be made to correspond exactly to the number of the hours at which the services are offered up to the Lord. Some have thought fit that six psalms should be assigned to each service of the day. So some people are saying the number of psalms you pray is based on the time of day. So like the, the terse or the third hour, you would praise three psalms, and then the sixth hour, you pray six psalms. Ninth hour, you pray nine psalms. Other people say we should just pray six psalms um, across the board. And so I think it best to set forth the most ancient system of the fathers, which is still observed by the servants of God throughout the whole of Egypt, so that your new monastery in its untrained infancy in Christ may be instructed in the most ancient institutions of the earliest fathers. So, as we said, throughout the whole of Egypt and the Thebed, the number of psalms is fixed at 12, both at Vespers and in the office of Nocturnes, in such a way that, the close, uh, that at the close two lessons follow, one from the Old and the other from the New Testament. And this arranged, fixed ever so long ago, has continued unbroken to the present day throughout so many ages and all the monasteries of those districts, because it is said that it, w that it was no appointment of man's invention, but was brought down from heaven to the fathers by the ministry of an angel. So again, when he's making his recommendation as to how many psalms these monasteries, these brand new monasteries that are starting in France, um, how is it, what, what form of prayer that they should have in these monasteries after visiting the monastics in Egypt, 
um, in the east and then finding from them how is it they came about to have the number of psalms that they have in their hours of prayer he is now reporting it back to his bishop and he's saying they are praying 12 psalms every hour um, and and the reason why it came is because of this story about the angel um, who came down and was praying with them so i just thought that was interesting to get some um, background as to why the number of psalms is as it, as it is the point is that this, that, and this is what we're going to speak about now, which is the spiritual benefit. The book of ours is designed by the church for our benefit. It's made to help us to pray. I mentioned before, if we want to pray just our personal prayers, which of course that's encouraged. Um, actually, our, our personal prayers is what the praying the, the Agbeya is supposed to lead to. But if we try to just pray with our personal prayers alone, we might find ourselves praying for one minute or two minutes maximum. And we run out of things that we want to say or we, th we can think of, right? But the idea of praying with the Agbeya is that it is helping us to pray for a longer period of time. And the people who designed it, designed it with a spiritual mindset to help us to attain this um, connection with God. And also that even um, when they were formulating it, that it, it even had some uh, input as far as the number of Psalms from um, from God himself through the appearing of this angel. So God is blessing the use of the Agbeya in our prayer life. What are some of the spiritual benefits? Okay, this is also in the same book, The Institutes, written by John Cassian. He said, these aforesaid prayers, then, they begin and finish in such a way that when the psalm is ended, they do not hurry at once to kneel down, as some of us do in this country. Like he's making a comparison, again, between the monastic communities in France and the monastic communities um, in Egypt. Okay? He's saying, once they finish the psalm, okay, they are not in a rush to finish. They are not in a rush to kneel down, as some of us do in, in this country, referring to France, who before the psalm is fairly ended make haste to prostrate themselves for prayer in their hurry to finish the service as quickly as possible. For though we have chosen to exceed the limit which was anciently fixed by our predecessors, supplying the number of the remaining psalms, we are anxious to get to the end of the service, thinking of the refreshment of the wearied body rather than looking for profit and benefit from the prayer. So he's saying maybe what we are accustomed to is that in each hour of prayer, we have more than the 12 psalms, speaking about the France, we have more than the 12 psalms, but it is rushed. We hurry through it because we are just trying to finish because our bodies are weary. Among them, therefore, it is not so. But before they bend their knees, they pray for a few moments, and while they are standing up, spend the greater part of the time in prayer. And this is where we get to the, the kind of the crux. You know, anything that we do in the church, if we focus on just trying to do it as a duty and just trying to get through it as fast as possible, just so we can say that we did it, our benefit is going to be limited. I'm not saying that there is no benefit whatsoever because there is a blessing in simply doing what, what we are asked to do and it is still a prayer, but our benefit is limited because our focus is on, I just want to get this done as fast as possible rather than going slow and focusing on the words and understanding what's saying and making it be so that the prayers that I am praying are actually my own. And the same is true in the liturgy. You know, we pray the, the same liturgy every week um, and it's easy to, after a while, just kind of tune out the words. You know, it's just something that we repeat, 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 and we're not really paying attention to it um, because we just come and we go. But to start focusing on the actual meaning of the words, 
to, to, to make those words our own, to, to pray those words truly with a prayerful spirit as opposed to just being I'm reciting words that I kind of don't maybe even understand or I make no connection with them of what they're really saying. And here this is what he is saying. He's saying it is better for us to pray with understanding um, and to go slow rather than to simply go through something as fast as possible. For they do not care about the quantity of verses, but about the intelligence of the mind, aiming with all their might as at this. I will sing with the spirit. I will also sing with understanding. And so they consider it better for ten verses to be sung with understanding and thought than for a whole psalm to be poured forth with a bewildered mind. And this is sometimes caused by the hurry of the speaker. When thinking of the character and number of the remaining psalms to be sung, he takes no pains to make the meaning clear to his hearers, but hastens on to get to the end of the service. You know, in monasteries, uh, the, the, the monks and the nuns, they pray the entire 150 psalms every day. You know, they, they, pr they, they pray them all, or they, they, some of the monks do. Uh, and, and others, when they pray, like from the Agbeya, they pray all of the hours of the Agbeya, and they pray all the psalms from the Agbeya. So, it, again, it can be easy uh, to just kind of try to rush through that as opposed to kind of focusing on it, hastening to get to the end of this service. So even as we are speaking about the spiritual benefits of praying with the Agbeya, one thing we should keep in mind is that it's not about the quantity right it's not about the quantity of the prayer or trying to finish a certain number of psalms and so on the reasons that we have spiritual rules and you know each person whose father of confession is giving them a spiritual rule to follow um, and they, the spiritual rule might include like okay pray a certain number of hours of the igbeya or pray a certain number of psalms per hour the reason that is the case is not because um, simply finishing that is the goal the reason is, is that if we don't have a certain number that we are trying to, f to, to attain, it's very easy for us to kind of uh, not even focus at all on the amount uh, that we're trying to pray. And again, I'm going back to the idea that our prayer is just a couple of minutes and we're done, right? So the, I the idea is not when we say, okay, pray a certain number of hours. The goal is not just to finish a certain number of hours. The goal is to spiritually benefit from those hours. And so sometimes maybe we are praying and we don't get to the end of an hour. Maybe if I go slow, like I, I personally, I tell people, don't focus so much on finishing an hour. So I tell you like, okay, pray the 11th hour. You can try to pray the 11th hour. If you pray the 11th hour at normal speed, maybe it'll take you 10 or 15 minutes. If you pray it very fast, maybe it'll take you less. But if you pray slow, okay, maybe, maybe in 15 minutes, uh, you won't get to the end of the hour but you will have focused on the words. Like if you pray the Thanksgiving prayer very slowly, if you pray Psalm 50 very slowly, if you pray some of the Psalms very slowly, and you pray as long, you know, for a period of 15, 20 minutes, and then you stop. Okay, I didn't get to the end, maybe, uh, of the hour, but of the things that I prayed, I prayed them with understanding, I prayed them from my heart, I prayed them while thinking and meditating on them, and then it becomes something that it's more beneficial to me because I prayed with the mind, um, rather than having rushed through it and completed the entire hour, right? So, and actually this was a, a recommendation that His Grace Bishop Yusuf made. Um, he said, try, don't, don't make a, a, a kind of a goal of praying a certain number of hours in the day. Make a goal of praying a certain amount of time in the day. So in the evening, 
can say, okay, I'm going to pray for 20 minutes. Okay, 20 minutes, I, I have no benefit in rushing. Rushing doesn't help me to get done with it because it's still 20 minutes. But I can go slow and I can think about the words that I'm saying and benefit more from them. So what are some of the spiritual benefits that we get from praying with the Agbeya? Number one, it helps us to be in the presence of God because it extends the time of prayer. Again, it's very hard for us to pray spontaneous prayer from our own mind for 15 or 20 minutes um, without any guide, without anything helping us. The Agbeya is not supposed to be uh, something that restricts us. right? So for instance, someone might be praying some of the prayers from the Agbeya, and they feel moved in their heart to want to pray their own prayer. Okay, stop praying with the Agbeya and pray your own prayer. You don't have to feel like, okay, the Agbeya is something that is forcing me to complete this whole prayer in this amount of time, and that's the definition of a successful prayer. No, there's nothing about it that says this is the successful prayer, right? The Egbeya is helping me to pray, and it's extending the amount of time that I pray, so I stand before God, I consecrate that time that I'm praying to God for a longer period of time, rather than it being a very short time for when I pray only my personal prayers alone. Also, it teaches us how to pray. Um, the Lord actually when the disciples asked him, he they asked him, teach us, Lord, how to pray. Like there is a way of prayer. When the apostles asked the Lord, teach us to pray, it means that there is a right way and there is not a right way. It doesn't mean that there's a certain magical incantation of words that's the right way and, there's, you, know, and you have to use specific words. That's not about like magical words that have to be said in a certain way. That's not what it means. It means there is an attitude of prayer. There is uh, certain things to focus on in prayer. And actually, when the, when the apostles asked the Lord, teach us to pray, what is it that he responded with? What did he say? The Lord's Prayer. He said, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, and so on and so on. You know, that was his answer. When, when they asked him, how do we pray? He gave them a prayer that had all of the positive elements that we should consider in a prayer in a way that actually we would memorize and we would pray. That's why we pray the Lord's Prayer so often in the church and in the Agbeya and in our personal prayers because it is the prayer that the Lord himself said, when you pray, pray like this. Again, it doesn't mean that that's magic. It doesn't mean that those specific words are better than other words. But it's saying, here are the elements of prayer that we need to focus on and understanding and praying when we pray to God. Um, it teaches us to do more than simply ask for things when it says it's teaching us how to pray. If, if the first thing that maybe comes to our mind when we pray is, God, please give me this, give me this, give me this, give me this. Like maybe for, for a lot of people, that is the meaning of prayer or the go-to of prayer is asking God for things, okay? Because that's part of prayer. But look at this prayer that we pray from the Agbeya. When you say, holy, 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 Lord of Sabaoth, which means Lord of hosts, heaven and earth are full of your honor and glory. This is part of the prayer. Would we necessarily think to pray this? Like, would this be the first thing that comes to my mind to pray if I were asked to pray? Holy, 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 Lord of hosts, heaven and earth are full of your honor and glory. Like we are focusing on who God is. And a big part of prayer is just focusing on the identity of God, the glory of God, the majesty of God. This is part of the prayer. And, 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 and 
all, all of the, the prayers that we have in the church, whether it be the liturgy or Agbeya, focus so much on who God is. And the Psalms focus so much on who God is, not simply the, the, the supplications, the asking for things. So it teaches us, the Agbeya teaches us a pattern of prayer. It doesn't mean again that these specific words are the magic words, but the words indicate styles of prayer, ways of prayer things we should focus on on prayer so that as we become accustomed to praying with the Agbeya, even our personal prayers begin to change. Even our personal prayers maybe become more focused on the glory of God, the majesty of God, the person of God, um, the, the mercy of God, the, the characteristics of God, and it becomes more God-focused rather than me-focused. You know, This teaches us to be God-focused in prayer uh, more than only focusing on ourselves. Another spiritual benefit of the praying with the Agbeya is it contains detailed prayers and supplications that help us. For example, we ask for the forgiveness of sins that we committed intentionally and unintentionally, knowingly and unknowingly. This is something that we pray. We ask God to forgive us for sins that we committed intentionally and unintentionally, knowingly and unknowingly. Again, maybe if we didn't have this as a guide of prayer, we wouldn't necessarily think to pray that. And sometimes we ask the question is, you know, if there's sins that I don't confess, does God forgive them? What if I forget to confess sins, right? And here we're asking God, even the sins that I have not confessed, even the sins that I have committed that I am not aware of at all, God, we're asking you to forgive. Again, something that maybe we wouldn't have thought to pray, right? These detailed prayers and these requests that we make of God are maybe more elevated than what I could have come up with on my own, right? Again, it doesn't mean that my personal prayers are worthless. No, actually my personal, pr personal prayers are very valuable because they're coming completely from my heart. But the Agbeya is teaching us and molding our personal prayers so that when we pray them, they are more elevated and they are more uh, kind of th thinking about the whole spiritual possibilities of prayer rather than maybe what I would have prayed otherwise. Also, the Agbeya reminds us of the important events that happened in the life of Christ. A, a big part of the Agbeya is focusing on events that happened in the life of Christ. The significance of those events. How those events relate to us today. Okay, We see, for instance, the work of the Holy Spirit. Right, We are reminded of the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. We are reminded of eternity of the eternal life, of what we are working toward. We are reminded of the need of being alert and watchful, looking for and preparing for the second coming. A lot of the uh, dogmas and doctrines of the church, the things that we believe in, are folded into these prayers, right? So again, the prayers are not just, God, please give me something. No, they are a reminder to us. They, are, they elevate us. They remind us of the whole work of salvation. They remind us of our need for Christ. They remind us of the whole big picture of our life, right? And so, again, we are elevated from these prayers that we pray. Another benefit, it helps focus our minds on God. You know, oftentimes we are very distracted, very distracted in our day. And one of the things that the prayer does is it helps us to leave behind the distractions of the world, and focus on God alone. And again, if we only had the personal prayer, maybe our personal prayers, the content of them, would be focused primarily on the things that happened in our day that day. Right? So again, I'm not saying that's wrong. 
But if the only thing that's in my mind is what happened to me today, and all of my prayers are revolving around what happened to me today, then there's a lot that I'm forgetting, right? The prayer actually elevates me above the earth. It makes me to see the heavens. It makes me to feel like I am in heaven, that I am seeing the work of the angels, that I am seeing like God's heavenly kingdom, and that I'm preparing myself for that kingdom, right? As opposed to just being maybe distracted by the problems and the, uh, the activities that I'm dealing with today, standing before God with the Agbeya takes my mind out of the world, out of the day, out of the distractions of my life, and focuses me more on God. Another benefit of praying with Yagbeya is that it reminds me to live in purity away from sin. For instance, when we pray in Psalm 1, Blessed is the man who has not walked in the counsel of the ungodly, and has not stood in the way of the sinners, and has not sat in the seat of the evil men. When I pray this psalm, it reminds me to stay away from the ungodly, to live in a pure way, to live in a sanctified way, to not be among the sinners and not sit in the seat of evil men, to avoid sinful influences, right? When I pray this psalm, it reminds me to live a pure life. It reminds me that living in purity is necessary, that living in purity is one of the goals of my life. It reminds me of this. Again, maybe when I pray by myself, I don't necessarily think of that. Maybe that's not the main thing on my mind right when i pray on my own it reminds us to live in purity away from sin also it reminds us to put our trust in god in psalm 22 the lord is he who shepherds me i shall need nothing in place of green pasture there he has made me dwell by the water of rest he has tended me he has restored my soul it is a prayer of comfort it is to remind me of God's presence. It's to remind me that God is caring for me and pastoring me and he is my shepherd. That even though I walk through difficult things in my life, I should not be afraid because I am comforted by the presence of God. So it is, it is comforting to remember the word of God in prayer. And using the words of God in prayer are very powerful because these are the words of God themselves. Like we are taking what God said and we are bringing it again in prayer. Like we are reminding God in a sense. You know, not reminding him in that he forgot, but we are bringing the words of God in prayer and we're putting it in front of him. It's like, this is what you said. You said that you will grant me comfort. You said that you will purify me. You said that you would do this and this. So I am bringing it to you and I'm placing my faith on the promises that you made. I'm asking you to fulfill these promises in my life. So it increases our faith. It makes us to feel truly that we are bringing the promises that God made and we are, we are, we are asking him to fulfill them in us. So it brings us comfort to remember the promises of God. Again, maybe if I pray only by myself, maybe I forget the promises of God. Sometimes when we pray by ourselves, um, our focus is um, maybe desperation. You know, maybe, maybe sometimes I feel desperate about problems that I have, and I come to God even in tears. And I'm not saying that's wrong. It's good for us to express our emotions to God. But when we bring the word of God, it's like an answer. It's like God is giving us the answer even through the prayers that we're praying. And he's saying, this is my answer to you. My answer is that I will fulfill the promises that you are bringing up. These are the things that I am going to fulfill in your life. Do not be afraid. Do not worry. Okay? It reminds us to place our trust in God and that he is the one who is in control and powerful. And we are bringing our supplications to him. Instead of thinking that I can solve the problems by myself, instead of thinking that, that I have to figure out what to do on my own, I'm coming and it's giving me rest because I'm taking my burdens and I'm placing those burdens at the feet of Christ and remembering he is the one protecting me. 
He is the one who is comforting me. He is the one who is working on my behalf because I cannot work on my own because I don't have the power to do so. All of this we gain because we remember the words of God in prayer, which are all from the Agbeya. It actually also teaches us the dogma and faith of the church. It teaches us what we believe. Our own faith, we learn about it through the prayer that's in the Agbeya. This is a part that we pray um, from the first hour. It says, and this is from uh, the, the epistles of St. Paul. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called and one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Right? It teaches us about what we believe. Okay? It teaches about the Holy Spirit. It teaches us about the body of Christ. It teaches us about the baptism that we are baptized with. One is God, the Father of everyone. One is His Son, Jesus Christ, the Word, who took flesh and died and rose from the dead on the third day and raised us with Him. One is the Holy Spirit, the Comforter. One is hypostasis. We're learning about the Trinity. Proceeding from the Father, purifying the whole creation and teaching us to worship the Holy Trinity. One in divinity and one in essence. We praise Him and bless Him forever. Amen. So we are learning about our faith, our dogma, what it is that we believe, even while we are praying, right? And we are bringing up this again um, to God. It preserves unity in the church because all believers everywhere are praying the same thing, right? When everyone is sharing the same prayer, it preserves unity. Like when we come together to have any kind of prayer, what do we pray? We can pray with the Agbeya, right? We can pray all together. Um, with the Agbeya. Part of the lit liturgy, as I mentioned, is from the Agbeya. So we are all united in praying in a, in a similar way, and so again, we are all benefiting together um, all the benefits that I said. It promotes a life of faith, to believe in the words of God. It reminds us to give thanks to God. The very first prayer that we see in every hour of the Agbeya is the Thanksgiving prayer. Maybe we don't feel like giving thanks. You know, we don't feel like giving thanks. When you go to a funeral, the very first thing that we pray in the funeral is a thanksgiving prayer. When you go to a wedding, the very first thing that we pray is a thanksgiving prayer. Everything is a thanksgiving prayer. When we pray with the Agbeya every day, it reminds us that no matter what we are coming to God with, no matter what problems we are coming with, no matter what you know catastrophes we have on our mind, the very first thing we pray to God is thanksgiving. We are thanking God because He is with us. We thank God because He is working. We thank God because He's a, He is present. And we even thank God for the catastrophe that we have. It reminds us that this is for our salvation. Whatever God sends is for our salvation. It doesn't mean that we enjoy it. It means that we need it. It is a medicine that we need for our salvation. And we thank God for it. N not because it's easy, um, even though it is difficult. So it reminds us to give thanks to God. Something that, again, maybe without it, it's not really on our mind. Again, I want to focus on my problem. I want to focus on God, remove this problem, help this th person, change this, do this, you know, because it's bothering me. And again, there's a place for that. There's a place for asking God. But even before we ask, we are thanking God for everything He does because everything that He does is good. And finally, it reminds us to offer repentance. Beautiful prayer of repentance that King David prayed in Psalm 50. Remember, it's Psalm 51 in the Bible, Psalm 50 in the Agbeya. And he wrote this prayer after he fell into sin 
with Bathsheba and God rebuked him and he wrote this psalm as a way of like asking for the mercy of God to forgive him for the sins that he committed. So we are reminded of God's love, God's mercy. We are reminded that even though we are sinners, like King David was a sinner, but we place our hope in God's forgiveness just like King David also did. It is a very comforting prayer to read Psalm 50, that when we come as sinners before God, having committed all kinds of sin, and yet we believe that God still hears us, that God still accepts us, that God forgives us our sin. And there are many, many different prayers from the Agbaya that speak about repentance and speak about God's forgiveness. So as we read these, we are reminded of the love of God, the mercy of God. We are reminded that God accepts our repentance and so on. So when the Agbaya was all put together, it was put together so that we would benefit from it in all of these different ways and that it would elevate our minds from earth to heaven. And that's why we should pray with it. The personal prayers that we pray are also very important, and I don't want to discount them. After we pray with the Agbaya, we should pray our personal prayers. We should pray to God from our heart about what is on our minds and what we want to express to Him. We don't want praying with the Agbaya simply to become a mechanical activity that we do, simply because I have to pray a certain number of prayers every day, and then that becomes my prayer life. Because as we said earlier, it's possible to just even memorize the Psalms and memorize the prayers and memorize everything and just kind of say it without even thinking. And many people do memorize. So that's not also, that's not spiritually beneficial. What is spiritually beneficial is that we slow down, we focus on the words, we give whatever time we are able to afford, and even if I cannot complete an entire hour of prayer, I pray with understanding, I pray slow, I pray what I can, and I am consistent in the prayer. Because if I pray one day, and then seven days I don't pray, and then a month I don't pray, and then I pray one day, that's not, I'm not going to get the benefit from it unless I'm consistent in praying every day, every day, every day. And this is the sacrifice of praise that we offer to God, that we stand before God and we offer Him our time. Some people will ask about praying while we're doing other things. Like, for instance, let's say I'm driving and I'm praying while driving. Why? Because it's easier. Because I don't have to, to allocate a certain amount of time in order for me to do nothing else except pray, because praying while driving, especially for people who have memorized it, they can just kind of pray it while they are driving, okay? And I always use this example. If you are engaged to someone, okay, and you are, um, you obviously are gonna spend time with that person. If every single time you spent time with that person, it was multitasking time. You're talking to them, but you're also cooking. Um, you're talking to them, but you're also watching TV. You're talking to them, but you're also doing something else. Okay, how would they feel about that? Would they feel like you are really giving them the first fruits of your time, the best of your time? Or do they feel like you're just kind of fitting it in while you're already doing something else, so I'm not really sacrificing. I'm not really giving you my full attention. I'm just doing it because it's convenient for me. The idea of prayer is that we are fully, 100% focused on God in that time. I put away everything else, and I stand before God, and I ask Him to bless me and I ask Him to forgive me, and I focus on His greatness, and I thank Him for who He is. And we can, all of us, can, can afford 20 minutes a day. All of us. We make time to do what we need, right? We make the time to do what we need. If there's something absolutely important that you have to do, no matter what else you have going on that day, you will make time to do it. The issue here is not the time. You know, we say things like, I don't have time. It's not about the time. It's about the will. 
Do I have the will to do it or not? And if I believe it is important and necessary for me and I will benefit spiritually from it and it will transform my life, believe me, it will transform your life if you, if you do this consistently. So God and the church gave us the beauty of this book for our benefit that was even, you know, arranged even through the work of angels so that we could benefit from it and grow. We are out of time. And glory be to God forever. Amen. Okay, let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. We thank you, O Lord, for the opportunity to stand before you in prayer. And we thank you, O God, because you have given us a method of prayer, a way for us to pray to you, that just when your disciples asked you, O Lord, teach us to pray, you gave them, O Lord, a way to pray. We thank you, O Lord, because you told us how to communicate with you. And so that we do not have to be lost or confused or to go around not knowing, O Lord, whether you even hear us or not. We thank you, O Lord, because you have given us a way to, to speak with you and knowing for sure that you listen. But help us to make use, O Lord, of these tools that you have given us, tools you have given for our spiritual benefit, that we might grow, that we might know you more, that we might be comforted and feel, O God, your presence all throughout our day, each and every day. We thank you, O Lord, for the church, a place that you have given us to come for our salvation, to know you and to see you. Bless, O oh Lord, our time, bless our services, bless our responsibilities, bless our days and our lives, and help us to remember you, O oh Lord, at all times throughout everything that we do. Through the prayers of St. Mary, Archangel Michael, St. Paul, St. Mark, and all your saints, hear us as we pray thankfully. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The love of God the Father, the grace of the only begotten Son, our Lord God and Savior Jesus Christ, and the communion of the gift of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Go in peace. The peace of the Lord be with you all. Amen.